3: I went back to heard Tell. Okay, he's an old favorite because he knows what's going on because when he says he heard from so-and-so, it means he talked to him. He's a congressional reporter. He's also a columnist for MSNBC. also has a great book out, We Are Not Broken. Eric Garcia is back. How are you, sir? Doing all right. How you doing, Andrew? Also, now he can officially put it on the CV: gigging musician. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I will be sending you as a present, though, a batch of 9-volt batteries, but we'll tell people about that later we will,
4: on. We will, we will, you always got
3: to have 9-volt batteries for the pedals, my friend. Yes. Uh, you work in Congress. Here's my problem. The yes. way we cover Congress is there's a bunch of people like you and your cohorts who do a lot of the shoe leather reporting because you're actually in the hallways yes. between the buildings and in the tunnels and talking to these people. And yet we have days, like the other day, where everybody just wants to cover these hearings, which are total, let's just call them what they are. They're clown shows and nothing's really getting accomplished. They're
4: dog and pony shows.
3: Meanwhile, there's a whole lot of really important stuff going on. That's got to be frustrating for you guys. But as a consumer, tell us, because we can a la carte certain people, we can a la carte certain journalists, but we need to kind of, this is a consumer side problem too. It's not just the coverage. We need to do better at what we pay attention to. Yeah.
4: Yeah, so let's address the elephant in the room, which is that the House has. I mean, and look, let's not, let's also attribute blame to Congress, because Congress, uh, particularly Speaker McCarthy, has selected, has allowed, you know. The freaks to run the show. So you're right. Yes, there is the defense authorization bill. And this is going to be one of many appropriations bills that are going to have to, you know, uh, and spending bills that are going to have to pass to prevent a government shutdown by the end of September. Um, but I think a lot of people are focusing on the um, hearing on Wednesday with uh, Marjorie Taylor, with with, uh, with uh, the House Oversight Committee and Hunter Biden, which is where Marjorie Taylor Greene posted some really sexually explicit photos of Hunter Biden, and then there was the Robert F. Kennedy Jr. hearing yesterday on Thursday. So yes, it's kind of a la carte, and yes, these are kind of sexy stories, but the big story that I think a lot of people uh, keep. Uh, you know, selectively, and, and and there are a lot of great reporters who are covering the right stuff, but I think what our, where our attention is going is kind of away from this really important thing, because I think what you're seeing with these spending bills, particularly since Republicans took over the House of Representatives, is they're really trying to um, enforce their social agenda using government money. So for example, I think a lot of people might know that right now in Alabama, right now uh, in the Senate, Senator Tommy Coverville is holding up military confirmations because he want, he doesn't like a policy where the Pentagon allows people who are stationed in the military in red states to travel to other states for abortions. Uh, Republicans in this in the House basically pass an amendment to get rid of that provision uh, in the same way you're seeing Republicans use, uh, I mean, trying to prevent gender affirming care for veterans, I mean, or, or, or for active duty service members. So they're, so basically they're trying to do that. And then the Senate is basically saying we are not taking this up. We're going to write our own bill and we're loading it up. We're just going to try to have like a normal NDAA, but a lot of Republicans are going to spit that out because they're going to say this goes against everything that we negotiated in the debt limit.
3: Yeah, Eric Garcia joining us. Let's let's just do a big picture because you can get lost in the weeds in this stuff really quick. Really. And there's a lot of great places, a lot of great resources. There's what you do. There's outlets like Punchbowl that does really good in-depth stuff yes. that I read just about every morning now. Basically, there's this NDAA bill. They're going to Figure that out because that's a must-pass bill. Then between now and September, there is 12 appropriation bills. So when we're saying government shutdown, it's not one bill. There's 12 bills they've got to pass to get past the government shutdown. That's the next thing coming up. And these things happen in a sequence, not in a vacuum. So we got to back up. One of the things you're starting to hear is McCarthy has gotten some wins, despite what a lot of us thought. I was wrong on some of it. He's gotten some wins. The problem is He gave away a lot of stuff to get those wins. Now he's got a much steeper hill with a lot less capital because he's already given away a lot of what he has to give away. Kind of lay the land on trying to get these 12 bills passed because everybody's putting that overarching term on it. Not understanding yes. that there's a 12-step process, basically.
4: here. Yes, there is. So one of the things that McCarthy said very explicitly in December when he was trying to get the 218 was he said, we are not going to do an omnibus spending bill. He was really mad that on the Senate side, Senator Richard Shelby and Senator Patrick Leahy basically wrote the omnibus spending bill uh, right as they were leaving the Senate. Uh, so what you're seeing now is you're going to see 12 individual spending bills. Go through, and I, I always had a feeling that if there was going to be a motion to vacate the chair, it would not be through the debt limit. I always felt it would be through these appropriations bills because that's where the that's where the actual challenge of abiding by these new spending cuts will, um, you know, face reality. Uh, so there are going to be ones for HHS, there's going to be ones for energy, there's going to be ones for education, there's going to be ones for for, for basically all the 12 departments. And there basically needs to, and long short of it, is that they need to abide by it. And now that even even though Republicans, a lot of Republicans didn't like the debt limit agreement, they're going to say you have to abide by these rules and you have to abide by uh, all of the uh, controls that we put in place to give you the speakership.
3: Yeah. And the pr- other problem he's got now is he can't just do failure theater on this one because the Senate has a whole lot of say on this. Yes. Um, the relationship between the GOP house and the GOP Senate, I don't know how you want to qualify, but it's not good right now. its I would say it's almost non-existent.
4: Um, that
3: bad. You would go with non-existent.
4: You know, I, I think that t- now take into account the House and the Senate have, have never really liked each other. Right? Uh, there's this old saying that, like, uh, an old Democratic House leader once said Republicans are the opposition, the enemy is the Senate. Uh, <laughs> but I think that there is very much this feeling on the Senate side. Uh, from people like Collins and people like Murkowski uh, and people like Graham and even like McConnell who think that a lot of the proposed defense cuts, defense budget cuts or caps on defense uh, would restrict spending uh, in ways that they don't like. They also don't like the fact that um, they uh, that they also want to make sure that there's uh, aid for Ukraine, whereas uh, Kevin McCarthy. So 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 for those who don't know, this is the important part, <clears throat> and you know this when I explain it to you readers. Um, once the house and the Senate both pass their bills, they're going to go into a thing called a conference and each leader selects members for their conference. Uh, so basically they can come together on a bill and then they'll vote on it again. And that'll be the one that goes to the white house, uh, for signature. Kevin McCarthy put Marjorie Taylor Greene has basically said, you vote on NDAA, I'll give you a conference, uh, position. And she said she wants to zero out funding for Ukraine. Um, that is going to be a non-starter for a lot of Senate Republicans. Uh, there are going to be plenty of provisions that Republicans, or, or, or if they don't like the, the caps on spending, uh, for defense, they are, the Senate is going to let them know, is going to let the house know that, no, we are not going to accept this.
3: Yeah, we, uh, Eric Garcia joining us, reporter for The Independent. Let's go to the Democratic side for just a yes. second. Where's Schumer right now? He's got the numbers. He's got the majority, but he's also got his two most rebellious senators yes. uh, t- in name independent, but still caucusing with the Democrats, Christian Cinema and Joe Manchin. They're both running really tough races that they are not favored to win as of today. Yeah. So he's got to worry about them. Him and Mitch have a good working relationship, despite what you see in the media. They know how to yeah. get stuff done. They do. But this is a thin majority, and he's got some malcontents. Where what's he looking at all this? Because we haven't really been talking about the Schumer Senate lately.
4: Yeah, I, I mean, because all the uh, for all for better or for worse, all the entertainment is happening in the House. Um, the, the 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 thing with with Schumer is that I think that he is very much uh, attempting to keep the heat on Republicans. I think that Schumer. Uh, Probably thinks he realizes he made a mistake by not letting the having the Senate vote on a debt limit bill and allowing McCarthy to have a lot more negotiating power. Um last go around. But I think now he's really trying to he's really trying to advertise that the Senate is not gonna do this tomfoolery with the um uh, NDAA. We're adults. I can work with McConnell. And to your point about his relationship with McConnell, uh a lot of people note that he's not as he doesn't have as acrimonious a relationship as Reed did with McConnell uh, because those two, but 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 both of those, Reed and McConnell were professionals, but they were also political uh, pugilists. Uh, and Schumer is definitely a, a fighter in his own sense. But I think the the, the the main thing that you're seeing with with Schumer is that he's trying at his at his core, to say we're going to we're going to do we're doing our job we're not having these dog and pony shows and we are also going to be confirming just a bunch of nominees now the problem for Schumer right now is uh, you mentioned Joe Manchin Manchin has so far not announced whether he'll seek re-election but he's of course really mad about the impl- implementation of the IRA we're approaching the one year anniversary of the deal that he brokered with Schumer so as a result you're seeing uh, the, the 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 chuck wagon had to deal with with Macomb, with with, with mansion opposing a lot of nominees. He's come out against Julie Hsu, uh who's Biden's uh, labor secretary nominee. Uh, you, you've seen him come out against. Uh, I mean, you've seen him vote against a few judicial nominees. So you're so you're seeing that. And then on top of that, cinema. You know, you mentioned she's running for race. Cinema hasn't even announced whether she'll run again. So but uh, but she's being outspent or or I should say outraised by Ruben Gallego down in uh, down in Arizona.
2: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat?
3: Yeah. You just mentioned Biden too, Eric Garcia joining us. There's been some shakeup in the Biden team who uh, handles the way they deal with Congress, both the Senate and the House. Yes. There was criticism there. They brought in some new people. They brought in someone who's actually pretty got a pretty decent relationship with Kevin McCarthy, at least on a working level. Is there any hope that this is going to sh- again, the election overshadows all this, because, look, especially in the House, they legislate one year and they run for office one year. This is all That's you're going to get, to Adams, whatever they're going to do this year. Yeah. The Biden White House has obviously changed tactics a little bit here. Is that going to make any difference? Is it noticeable?
4: It will make some difference I think on the margins, but again, the house has just a lot more power because the house has the power of the purse and that's just how the constitution is set up. But I think that they are I think that at the end the I think the Biden White House there, there was a lot I think they took some I think they listened to some of the criticism from people saying that McCarthy ran circles around the media wise, but I think that they thought that uh, during the debt limit negotiations, they felt we can't speak too much because we want McCarthy's people. We want Republicans to accept whatever deal that we do. So we don't want to you know, do a victory lap um, and then have Republicans feel like they're eating dirt. Um, whereas uh, but I think that there was almost kind of this implicit understanding that the White House will stay quiet. Um, so that house Republicans, house Democrats could bail out McCarthy in the same respect. I think that they're going to, uh, as you said, it's not going to make much, much of a difference. Now it's really going to make a difference once the election is over come December, when, uh, December, 2024, when they have to come to an agreement on raising the debt limit.
3: Yeah. Eric Garcia. Okay. Big question. We don't know all the backroom deals that were involved, but we do know there's pressure. The Republican caucus wants to impeach somebody, whether it's Mayorkas, Garland. A lot of them want Biden. McCarthy's smart enough. He doesn't really want to go down the Biden road. I think he wanted to throw him uh, Mayorkas. I think it's kind of trending maybe towards Garland here what's the talk on impeachment because the Republicans are basically screaming, we're going to impeach somebody or we're going to take somebody out. Is that what you're hearing there too?
4: Yes. So this is the big divide that you're seeing. So incidentally enough, last month I was talking with Marjorie Taylor Greene, and this was during the divide over uh, whether Lauren Boebert or Marjorie Taylor Greene's uh, vote to impeach Biden would come through. Marjorie Taylor Greene basically said, hey, look, this is the price. This is my price for voting for McCarthy for speaker. And this is my price for voting for that debt limit bill. So I think that at this point, it's starting to lean more toward Garland, just given the indictments uh, against President Trump and against, um, I I mean, there was the first indictment that happened in June. And then there's... Now it looks like he was—he's the recipient of a target letter that uh, for his actions on January 6th. So it looks like it's leaning more toward Garland these days. Uh, I think that McCarthy and Republican leadership realize that a Biden impeachment is walking is forcing their frontliners to walk the plank. And your job as Speaker, you have a lot of jobs as Speaker, but one of your main jobs is to protect your majority, and you don't you only force your frontliners to take so many tough votes as possible. And uh, I mean, that was something that Pelosi learned when she had the vote on Obamacare. Uh, and I would actually argue Waxman-Markey was a bigger uh, issue for a lot of frontline Democrats back in 2010. Uh, but, but in the same respect, he also recognizes that he has to do what he can to protect these frontliners, but he doesn't have the margins that Pelosi did or that even Ryan did, or even Boehner did back in the days.
3: Yeah, real quick, along those same lines, though, is this impeachment expungement nonsense actually going to make it to the floor or not? Because McCarthy looked like he, he said it one way, and then he said it another way. There was some coverage of that. They're not going to really try to do something that's that much of a ready-made campaign ad, are they? Uh, that
4: would be it. That would, I think McCarthy recognizes that, that would be an electoral disaster. Um, there are many criticisms of Kevin McCarthy. Many of them I've made, but one of them is that he actually does—he uh, does keep an eye on what how districts are working and how districts are acting, uh, and he's a, hes a, hes an absolute political junkie. Um, but I think that he recognizes that this would be suicide for frontliners, and his frontliners and people like uh, the—you the, know—the—the the moderates or the problem solvers have said this will kill us. So I don't think he would do, I don't think that he would go down that route, even though someone like Ali Stefanik would very much like to, and, uh, and the Green would very much like to, but I think he's, I think that he's recognizing, he's saying, he's trying to do with a wink and a nod saying, I would like to do this, but we just can't do it. And I think that you're seeing that. And I think that's the way he's going to split the difference
3: yeah and uh, walking that tightrope will get real interesting if uh, trump becomes the nominee so we'll keep an eye on that eric garcia carving out a few minutes in his very busy schedule for us we appreciate it let folks know where they can keep up with you because you're writing at the independent you're writing for msnbc you're covering congress you're playing music you've got a book out that's in paperback now tell folks really can keep up with you my you can friend.
4: follow me on twitter at uh, eric m garcia you can follow me on threads at eric m garcia 14 you can follow me now you can follow me on blue sky eric m garcia you can buy my book we're not broken Changing the autism conversation and uh, and yeah I, I, you know it's it's always great
3: you do great work sir appreciate your time we'll keep having you on welcome back talk soon
5: see you join me as we journey together you can listen to church in maine podcasts at the website org or on your favorite podcast app i look forward to seeing you
3: folks you've heard ethan brown on the hurt tell show a couple of different times but if you're interested in learning about how to discuss things like climate change without all the politics and doom and gloom head over to his podcast the sweaty penguin Sweaty Penguin is a late-night comedy-style climate podcast working to add nuance, critical thinking, humor, and hope to the climate conversation. they got over 100 episodes already, breaking down weekly news stories and specific topics from the vanilla to the ADHD to the international accountability to orangutans. Yes, I know, it's a comedy thing, so just go with it. But each time, exploring different ways we can make progress on these issues while still helping the economy, health, security, and everything else we care about feel overwhelmed exhausted or excluded by today's climate change discourse this is the podcast for you find the sweaty penguin wherever you get your podcast or at www.thesweatypenguin.com